children for being such a blessing, for being willing to come up here and to stand and to sing with us and to really be an encouragement. And then I want to thank all of the parents. You know, one of the things that about the youth choir is the youth choir, most of the time the practice for that is after the evening service. So it's already been a long day. Some of the people whose children are in the youth choir, of course, were in the choir choir, so they came in early before the evening service. I'm just thankful, grateful, thankful for you making those choices and truly blessed by us being able to, to share in those things together. I'm going to ask you, if you would, please, to open your Bible. John read uh, from the passage we'll begin in, in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John read verses 28 through 36, and that's where we're going to begin together this morning. We are looking together at the Son, S-O-N, the Son making you free. And that's freedom. If you've not been made free by the Son, then you're not free. Even though you live in a free country, we call it a free country, and we do enjoy a great many freedoms in this country. And if you travel around the world, you will become aware. Well, if you travel almost anywhere except for Western Europe, you will become immediately aware of how much more we have than anybody else. We have so much more. We don't have any idea how much more we have. You know, you go to the, to the um, restaurant and you order a salad and they bring you your salad and you think to yourself, is that for the table? And it's like, no, that's your salad. You know what I'm saying? Would you like some sides with that salad? It's like, no, I, I think this will get it done. You know what I'm saying? I believe this will get it done. We are truly blessed. You know, and there's really, I really do believe with all of my heart that America as a nation enjoys what we have because God blessed America for so many years. And I really believe that we are now living on the remnants of the great blessings of God in, in, in a nation that is really just not only saying no to God, but saying no to God, saying that there is no God, as a matter of fact. Truly unfortunate, sad. You know, isn't it, isn't it remarkable? Honestly, just us being here together in this building today, in the nation in which we live right now, in the time in which we live in this nation, makes us a little weird that we would go to church. You know what I'm saying? That we would go to church, that we would say that there is a God and, and what's remarkable is, you know, the, the, there's a hymn that we sing, you ask me how I know he lives, well, he lives within my heart. And that really is how I know he lives. I know he lives because he revealed himself to me on a heart level. By the way, at a time when I wasn't searching for him, when I wasn't really looking. Now, I found myself looking for him. I found myself searching for him. But he sought me long before I ever sought him. What a tremendous and gracious God we have. Um, now, if you would like to see, by the way, if you want to put your ribbon, most of us have one of these ribbon things. If you want to put this ribbon down in John chapter 8 and uh, turn back to Exodus, keep your ribbon in John chapter 8 and go back to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3. Now, in Exodus, now let me just, let me just help you. Uh, we're not going to spend time today in the book of Exodus other than the time that we're about to spend in the book of Exodus. <clears throat> in, 
If you go, if you put your, now, you have your ribbon in 8, John 8, you have your thumb in Exodus 3. If you just turn back maybe a page or two pages in your Bible, you'll come to Genesis 50. So just do that with me if you would, Genesis 50. And uh, I just want you to see this with me. Many of you have seen this before, but it does our heart good to, to be aware of this. And if you've not seen it, you really need to be aware of it. So you go to Genesis chapter 50, verse 26, which is the last verse in Genesis. And you look at the last five words. Just look at the last five words of Genesis 50, 26. So the last five words of Genesis, and they are in a coffin in Egypt. Okay? In a coffin in Egypt. Now, we didn't start, the book of Genesis didn't start in a coffin in Egypt. The book of Genesis started in a garden with God. Perfect. Behold, everything was very good. So how do we get in a coffin? What, what is this place, Egypt? What's going on? What happened to the children? What happened to the children of God? And the answer is sin. This, it's real. Oh, God, help us to enter into this together this morning. Sin has ruined everything. Sin has ruined everything. In Genesis, we see what, God, what man does with what God did for us. God created us a perfect place to live in fellowship with him, and we selfishly chose to wreck that. Over the, from the beginning, generation after generation, just all the way till we end up in a coffin in Egypt. Now, if you, with that in mind, when you ex, enter into the book of Exodus, we're not going to look at it together, but you can go look at it. A bitter, hard bondage. They find themselves in bitter, hard bondage. The, Egypt, the Egyptians have put the Israelites in bitter, hard bondage, and they can't get out. They are trapped in Egypt, and it's terrible. That's important that you understand that. Moses has a burden for these people. He has a burden for his own people. He's been raised in Pharaoh's house. He should have been put to death. He was at the age when they were putting these boys to death. But he was saved. God saved him, raised him in Pharaoh's house. But when he got old enough to realize what was going on, he left Pharaoh's house to go out and, and literally help rescue his brothers and sisters. But what he found was this. He was not capable of doing it. He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't wise enough. He couldn't rescue his brothers and sisters. Listen, that's true of all of us. After you were made a new creature, well, after I was made a new creature, I can't tell you how many of my, my, my family I tried to convince that Jesus is who he says he is. And I can't tell you how poorly I did it either. Swung my Bible with both hands is how I would say I didn't mean to. I wasn't, it wasn't my intention to alienate my extended family. It really wasn't my intention. But as many young Christians do, I did. I basically, no, no, I'm telling you. No, no, I'm telling you. And because I studied and because I'm not a, I'm, I was a reasonably intelligent person, I really was persuaded that I could persuade them. I will persuade you. I will prove these things to you. And you will never argue anybody into the kingdom. You will, listen, you will never bring anyone into the kingdom by force. Never. That's not how it's done. Now what we find, though, in Exodus chapter 3, so let's look at, we'll, look, we'll just read starting in verse um, 7. Now you, you know the, Exodus 3 begins, at the, it's the burning bush. Moses, by the way, Moses is 80 years old. Moses had lived 40 years, he tried to rescue Israel. He lived another 40 years after he failed. So he's 80 years old now, and he's on the backside of Sinai, and it says in verse 7, God appeared to him there, 
And in verse 7, this is what God says. Please, please just put a mark beside verse 7 in your Bible so you can start there. I put a mark by uh, verse 7 that ran down to verse... I have lots of marks in my Bible. But 7 to 9 is a very important statement. Notice what God says. And, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. And I just underline that word seen, if nothing else. I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard. You can underline the word heard. And in heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know, and you can underline the word know, God sees, God hears, and God knows. And that's really wonderful, isn't it? No matter where you are in your life today, no matter what's going on, even if you rejected God to this point in your life, even if you summarily lived contrary to who God is, God still sees, God still hears, and God still knows. But here's, the, I think, the most wonderful, because it doesn't end in a period. It ends in a semicolon. And here's what it says in verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them. Amen? And I am come down to deliver them. Jesus Christ came down here to deliver us. Amen? We could not set ourselves free. We cannot set each other free. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Amen? God, Jesus, Jesus has seen and heard and he knows and he is come down to deliver. So with that in mind, now by the way, Exodus begins in bitter hard bondage in Egypt. And if you want to go to the end of the book, it's 40 chapters. Go to the end of Exodus just for the sake of getting there. Go to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, and you can read verse 34. You can read all of it if you want to, but to help you understand the context, you should at least just see verse 34. So they have finished the tabernacle. God wants to dwell in the midst of people. They are free. God has set them free. By the way, look up here for just a moment before we look at this chapter. In the plan, you can go, this is so wonderful. You can go back to chapter 3, go back to chapter 3. Right after God says, I'm going to set you free, he gives them the whole plan. All the way into Canaan, the whole plan. And this is what he says. Moses, you are going to go and you're going to sell to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going to say no. Not only is he going to say no, he's going to show you how powerful he is and how capable he is of insisting that you not be let go. And he does. That's exactly what happens. And then God says, and then I will reveal my right arm. So Pharaoh has a mighty right arm, much stronger than you. Sin and the world are stronger than you and I. They are stronger than you and I combined, but they are not stronger than God. Amen? Sin, Satan, and the world in which we live are no match for our God, and thank the Lord for that. And so what he says is this, after you're all aware that you cannot set yourselves free, I will bear my arm, and he will let you go. Amen? He will let you go. So they are gone. They are, they, but listen, God didn't save us simply to get us out of sin. God saved us to bring us unto himself. You see what I'm saying? It's so important. God does not save you to leave you alone. God has saved you to restore you to what we lost in the garden. And that was a wonderful fellowship, personal, intimate, wonderful fellowship with God, every one of us. And praise God for that. And then, by the way, through the church, he allows us to enjoy that fellowship 
corporately. We get to come here together. We get to assemble in a building. We get to worship God together. We get to praise him together. And by the way, in doing so, we edify, we strengthen, we encourage one another. Amen? And I'm telling you, there's coming a day. I really believe with all of my heart, maybe it's just going to be for me. Maybe I'm just going to get hit by a bus soon or something like that. But we are going home soon, my brethren. We are going home soon. And there will be no sin. You know, if you're a new creature, you know what it means to wrestle with your own flesh. You know how, how conniving your flesh is, how lazy your flesh is, how dastardly the flesh is. But you are so grateful for the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, which I believe we'll study together next week. Oh, what a wonderful reality that is. But that earnest, that down payment of the Holy Spirit, you know what it makes us want? It makes us want the fullness yeah, doesn't it? Right? I mean, the person that comes and says, I'm going to buy your house, and here's, you know, here's, here's $5,000, I'm going to buy your house, and you say, okay, well, come back with the rest because I want to move out. Amen? Come back with the rest because I want to move into my new place. So this, this earnest is great, but I need you to bring back the rest. And I am so glad, oh, how blessed we are to live in an age with the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, that God himself, greater than God with us, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, is God in us. And we live in that age and praise the Lord for that. Very, 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 very few of the children of God are even beginning to enter into the wonder and the splendor of having the Holy Ghost live within us and change us from the inside out and praise God for that but there's coming a full deliverance anyway I just want you to see this so verse 34 after they finish the tabernacle now that the holy of holies exists now that there's a place for that blood praise God now that the mercy seat is there God himself comes down and dwells in the midst of his people and it says then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Praise God. So here they are now, set free from Egypt. They are set aside unto God, God dwelling in their midst. Amen? That's delivery. The promise, the book of Exodus is God's promise of complete deliverance. That's what it's about. That's what you study that book for, to learn, to see. And boy, we, did, we just studied it on Tuesday night, so many of us together. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. Now, jump forward to where you had your ribbon in John chapter 8. As John said in Sunday school, that was the preliminary. That was the introduction. I promise to be brief this morning. I really do. And I promise to keep that promise. So now I'm either going to be brief or a double liar, one or the other. John chapter 8. I just want you to take these passages. Please take note of these passages. Please take note of the actual passages so you'll have them with you so you can look at it. John 8, 28 to 32, excuse me, to 36. I just want you to see this. What I want you to see in verse 32, if you mark in your Bible, go down to John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Underline, you can underline truth, and you can underline free. The only, listen, the only way to be free is through the truth. I don't know, I don't know, and I, and I know this sounds going to sound weird, but I've come to the position that I'm not sure that Americans can understand the difference between television or movies and what's really going on in the world in which they live. Do you, you know what I mean when I say that? In other words, if, they, if they're watching a television program and they hear somebody who's not a doctor 
talking about some things that are like being a doctor, and they're thinking, oh, that must be true. No, no, he's an actor or she's an actor. They have no idea what they're talking about. Well, they said it in front of me. That must be true, right? I mean, I was watching the news on this channel just a little while ago. I'm not sure that was true either. You know what I'm saying? And listen, I'm not being mean or unkind when I make statements like that. You need to understand the only way to be, the only way to be free is for the truth to set you free. But notice in the context, I want you to see what he says in the context. So, so as Jesus said that the Father's showing him what to say and what to do, it's, they, they it says they believed on him. That's what it says in verse 30. And then Jesus said unto those which believed on him. Now, please look up here. Look, look. Believing on Jesus in this passage is not trusting him for salvation. They simply heard him speak and thought, hmm, I think there's truth in what this man is saying. That's what they've done. Hmm. What he says, saying, what he's saying right here, I think this might be true. And this is what he says to those who believe him as he's speaking. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So you are free. Look, look up here. You are set free by the truth that God gives. Okay? Not the truth that I give. Not the truth that a deacon gives, not the truth that anybody gives, but the truth that God gives. You know what that means? It's a very important book, right? This is not the word of men. This is the word of God. And this is true. It is my desire to accurately convey to you by actually just looking at it like we're doing right now, what it says so that you can trust God at his word. You understand? And if you will trust God, if you will be honest with yourself about yourself, and you will believe God at his word, he will set you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Now, it's, it's a colon, but you need to stop here for a moment. That's not true. They're actually occupied right now. They are, by the way, they're going to be angry with him because he's not going to set them free from the Romans. They want him to set them free from the Romans. But right here, they say we, never be, we have never been in bondage to any man. Well, that's not true. You're actually in bondage right now. And here's the thing. Please hear me. This is so, so critically important. Now, because you can say, I was born in America, right? America, if you want to, okay? I was born in America. And I'm, we've never been in bondage in our lives. But America is in bondage. America is in bondage to sin. Do you understand? America is in bondage. Oh, is America in bondage to sin? We are so full of selfishness in America, we can't even put a health care system together. You want to know why? Because nobody's willing to do their part. The people who need to go to the doctors are not willing to do their part. The doctors are not. The pharmacists are not. The companies that make it, the insurance companies, everybody's like, these other people, they need to back off a little bit, but I still got to get mine. You see, this will never work. The problem, the problem in America is we have rejected God, we have rejected his word, and we're suffering the consequences of that now. But he came to set us free. And for each and, and here's a wonderful thing. This is something the Lord is really causing me to understand. And I'm talking about on a personal level. Chris and I were talking about this yesterday. We were going, I'm just going to convey, we're going over to my mother and father-in-law's house yesterday afternoon at 7 o'clock. That was the begin time. They live over in Pocosin, okay? So that was the start time to dinner, 7 o'clock. We didn't get there till 7.30, okay? Uh, and, and because there's just a lot of things going on. And I'm just got to be honest with you. If, if you guys know me well, that's... That doesn't work for me, right? I mean, I am, I, mean, I wouldn't say I was OCD, but maybe OC, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, 
I really, really think if you say you're going to be at a place, but, but, but I have learned that there are circumstances that are beyond our control. And even if they are in our control, we still fail. Do you understand? And what God is causing me to understand is this. If we can just let go of our own selfishness, and in the midst of the, you know, you say trying circumstances. To me, being late is a trying circumstance. It just is, right? I mean, here we're, we're coming into town. We're running late already, and we have to stop at the store on the way in, right? Because we needed, I don't remember what we needed, but we needed something in the store. And I said to my son, I believe that God would just love it if we could simply say, meet me down by the river. We'll have a sandwich. What time? I don't know. When you get there. We'll have a sandwich. We'll enjoy some fellowship. We'll worship God. Then we'll go home and we'll just sit in our living room peacefully. God wants, listen, God wants to set, I'm telling you, I'm really, I mean this with all of my heart. God wants to set us free from all of the things that we focus on instead of just loving one another. See, what I really wanted to be able to do was just to get to my mother and father-in-law's house and to be around them and my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law and my family, by the way. My entire family was there. My entire family was there and just be able to enjoy that fellowship, Right? Can I help you make this? Can I help you clean up this? Can we just have a conversation? Can we talk to each other and love one another and help one? Has anybody ever done Thanksgiving? Raise your hand if you've ever done Thanksgiving. Raise your hand if you've ever done Thanksgiving. Have you ever ruined your own Thanksgiving? Raise your hand if you've ever ruined your own Thanksgiving and everybody around you, right? Yeah? Not many of you raised your hand. Nobody's ever ruined Thanksgiving? Raise your hand if you've ruined Thanksgiving again. I like those people that raised their hand just now. Either you're honest or, or I'm worse than I thought I was. <clears throat> God, wants, God wants us, listen, uh, boy, this is so wonderful what we're getting ready to look at. Jesus says, continue. Continue with me, he says. Continue with me. Continue in my word. And this is what I promise. I'll set you free. You'll know the truth. And that truth will set you free. That's the promise of God. Now, what we're going to learn together this morning in just a minute, there's, there's, by the way, all, all we're doing is we're looking at passages. There are, I, I have them here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven passages that use this exact word, free, that we're looking at right here. And what this means, by the way, this is not free as in without cost. That's not what it means. You know what I'm saying? When you, know, when you go to the store and they say, free, mattress is free, right? You just have to buy 27 other things that aren't free, Amen. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying, this, this word means to be set free. That's what Jesus says, right? In verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now they say we'd be never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin. Now write this down, mark this down, put a big box around 34. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Now, how many of you, okay, now look, I, I really, I want to do this. I, I, I know it sounds weird. It's not a normal way to do this, but I want to do this anyway. How many of you and, and, and are absolutely sure that, you're, that the blood of Christ has paid for your sins and you are a new creature. That, that Christ has actually paid for your sins. You have peace with God. You know it. And you're free. Go ahead and raise your hand up. Nice and high if you can. Okay, that's an awful lot. It's the vast majority. I don't see many people that aren't raising their hand. That's wonderful. Now let me ask you this. How many of you, knowing that, would say still, there are areas in my life 
that I'm not free. Anybody want to be honest enough to raise their hand? There are areas in my, wow, look at that. Everybody. I mean, if there was, I mean, I can't really, there's a lot of you, okay? So it looked like everybody the first time. It looks like everybody again the second time. Now, so this is the question. Why aren't you free there? Right? And I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm going to help you to understand how you can be. But guess who's going to do it? Guess who's going to make you free? Jesus. It's going to be the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to set you free. It's going to be, listen, it's going to be you being honest with you and God about the fact that you're not free right here. Anybody want to say, I'm, I'm joking, please don't do this. Anybody want to say out loud where it is you're not free? Right? Anybody want to say what it is that you're not, where you, where you don't have the peace and the freedom that God wants you to have? If you, if, now listen, I want you to say that honestly by the end of the service to God. He already knows, right? You know, we've all talked many, many times about going to the Lord in prayer with that thing behind our back. And God says, why don't you take that thing out so we can talk about it? And we say, and this is the audacity that we have, Lord, there's nothing behind my back. And really, honestly, God's like, do you, do you really think that I'm as stupid as you obviously are? I do know what's behind your back. And you say, well, Lord, okay, I knew, there is something behind my back, but I don't want to deal with that. I want to deal with this. And God says, but I want to deal with that. Because that's what's trapping you right now. That's what's hurting you. That's what's hurting your family. That's why your children aren't having the life that I want for them. That's the problem. Chuck, take this out and put it down and let me beat it up. Let me conquer this in your life. Let me give you the victory in your life that I fully intend for you to have by setting you free from this thing. Amen? And by the way, you say, well, it's not my, the thing that's in my life is not like a real sin. It's more of an issue. It's more of a problem than it's anxiety that is the sin that's bothering you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have something behind your back and it's the mortgage payment or the might something, whatever that is, that's still got you captivated by your fear of it. And God wants to release you of that by his freedom. Let's look at it. So he made that promise. Now, go to chapter, now to go to Romans, Romans. The next one is in Romans. Romans 6. We're going to go there quickly. I need you to turn quickly so I can preach quickly. Romans 6, because I promised you I would. Romans 6. Now, Romans 6 is in the middle of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. And you all say, yeah, that was, that was marvelous. Thank you, Pastor, for that. But Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 deal with us being set free. It deals with the fact that if you're a new creature, you are free, even though we don't live free. Romans chapter 7, right? The good that I would, I don't. The evil that I wouldn't, I do. What's wrong with me? Oh, wretched man that I am. That's, that's in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 6 is addressing the same thing that Romans chapter 7 is going to address. Now go to Romans chapter 6. I want you to see specifically, um, verse, starting in verse 14. Go to ver- Romans 6, starting in verse 14. Now, here's what, Jesus, here's what Jesus says to the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says. For, what's it say? For sin shall not have what? Sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Look up here. How ma- Listen, boy, please hear me. How many of you are aware that what God wants is good? Honestly, the law, meaning what God wants in the law is good, right? Everything, God, right? Love your neighbor, right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't do any of these bad things. How many of you would say, yeah, that's all good, that's all good? Yes, great, that's the right way, yes? 
Well, of course it is. That's how God is. And we all know it's good. I shouldn't lie. I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't gossip. I shouldn't do anything. I should never be mean. It's completely unnecessary. I shouldn't even have to raise my voice except for to tell you how great Jesus is. Do you understand? That's all wonderfully true. And yet, it happens in our lives. Yes, but it's not. But he says, but sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And the kids just sang this song wonderfully. How many, boy, I'll tell you what, how many of you have ever had the blessedness of coming to the end of yourself and just giving up and God saying, I love you right here. I love you right here. And I can meet you right now. In fact, I would tell you you're in a better place than you were when you were still struggling in your own strength. When you finally fail in all of your trying, you will find success in dying. You will find success in realizing that God never intended for you to set yourself free. Why? Because your right arm is not strong enough. But praise God, his right arm is. Now here's what happens. When God wins the victory that he's talking about, when God wins that victory, guess who's going to get the glory? He is, right? And not only will he get the glory, you insist to everybody. Because people will say this, brother, you become a much happier person. My, my, my son, um, Chris, was, was commenting upon uh, Brother Greg Bailey, how, how happier he is as he's getting older. And I think that's exactly what should happen in our lives. If you're an older Christian, you have a lot to be thankful for. You have a lot to be happy about. You have a lot to testify to us about what God has already. You know, and I can't imagine, I can't even, I think about it. Mr. Bailey mows a lawn here at our church. And I'll tell you, honestly, I'm not joking. Sometimes I think the lawn is big enough that he finishes and starts again. You know what I'm saying? Literally mows and mows and mows and gets done and goes back to the original point And just, he stops long enough to fill the tank and starts mowing again. But I was thinking, what does he think about when he's out there on the lawnmower? Right? What does he think about? And then I thought, I bet he has a lot of wonderful time to think about the goodness and the grace of God and maybe occasionally, gee, it's hot. You know what I'm saying? Because it is hot when he's out there mowing the lawn. It is, a, it is well, I don't know what's going on. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on in your daily life, but you know what you have more time for than you think you do? God. You have more time to think about God. You have more time to let the word of God dwell in you richly. By the way, abiding in Christ and him abiding in you is the key to the victory that we're talking about. This is how sin will no longer have dominion over you. Let's keep reading. 14. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey, whether to sin to death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. And I remember that, right? Do you remember when sin just had dominion over you? When you weren't a new creature and you always did the selfish thing? You didn't even know it was the selfish thing. You said, well, I'm making my own choices. I'm living my own life. No, you weren't. Sin was living your life for you. And you were doing exactly what sin wanted you to do. You didn't make your own choice. They were just terrible choices day after day after day after day. And then Jesus came and set you free. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart. Boy, what a wonderful truth. That is an aorist tense, by the way. You have already done it. If you're a new creature, listen, look up here. I don't know when it happened. I can't tell you when. I can tell you when it happened for me. But I can't tell you when it happened for you. I can tell you when it happened for some of you because I was there. I was there when you obeyed from the heart. Somehow, 
The good news of the gospel got to your heart, and you said, I want that. I, want, I need that. Amen? I, you obeyed from the heart. That's what it says. That form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. The word of God was preached to you. You trusted Christ for your salvation, and he made you a new creature. And guess what? And guess what? That very moment, sin lost its power over you unless you give it power. Do you understand? Can you still be selfish? You can, but you have to choose to be selfish now. Can you not be selfish? And the answer is you can, or better yet, the Holy Ghost in you cannot be selfish. Yes? Right? All right. Let me say this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. That sin that you have never defeated, Jesus has never lost to it once, and he lives in you. Yes? So instead of you trying to, I, I don't know what it would be. I really don't know what it would be. I do know in my own life. In my own life, it would be one of the things that God has, has, is giving me continual victory over is anger. I can still be angry. That's, that's the thing. I can, still, I can still let my flesh have its way. And when I let my flesh have its way, it typically comes, comes out in anger. And it breaks my heart. But it's, when it happens, it's tragic. But it doesn't have to happen anymore. But what has to happen is this. We're going to see it. I have to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Being then made free, verse 18. Being then, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Being then made free, already done. You have been made free from sin. You have become the servants of righteousness. Amen? Amen. Now, look, now look up here. Because here's our problem with this. Here's, listen, I'm telling you. Here's the problem in fundamental Baptist churches with reading the passage. You've become the servants of righteousness. This is what it's, notice, by the way, when I said it, I buttoned my shirt and straightened out my tie. Because somehow we associate those things with righteousness. That's not righteousness. Husbands, love your wives. That's righteousness. That's righteousness. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That's righteousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fruits of the Spirit that God wants to accomplish in your life and mine, that's the righteousness that's God ta- that God's talking about. Will I have a jacket and a tie on when I do it? I may. I may have a jacket and tie. But please don't think that the jacket and tie make you righteous. Please don't think that the outer man is what God is looking at. He's looking at the inner man, which affects the outer man. If God has the victory in your heart that he wants to have in your heart, we'll all get to see it. Trust me. But if you can make it look like you've got victory, some of you are doing it now. right? Some of you came here this morning, and you don't have the victory that God wants you to have, but you can sure pretend for an hour. But that's, listen, listen. If that's what you've got, I've got good news for you. You don't have to have that anymore. That is not what God wants for you. God does not want you to have to put on a mask to come to church. He wants you to be able to come to church with real joy, with real peace, with real selfless love for the people around you. And I am so glad, honestly, I am so glad to see it happening in so many of you. It causes me to rejoice. I believe it causes God to rejoice because that's what the freedom, that's the freedom that he's talking about. Now, we're almost done. Turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter, excuse me, I, say, I meant 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, again, I want you to see verse 24 just before. So we're in Romans 8. Romans 8 is just awesome. But Romans 7, 24 says, oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I was, that I am. And this is the key to being set free. In you, in you, that is in your flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Anybody believe? Everybody believe that? Has everybody come, as a Christian, has everybody come to the place of realizing just how terribly true that is? Yes? No? If you haven't, you will. 
I, listen, if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I mean, Christ has done a wonderful work in me, and I'm pretty good. You'll repent of that in a little bit. Amen? I, in fact, if you feel that way, just raise your hand. I'll come bump you personally, and we'll see how that goes. Amen? Because you, you will lose that righteousness when you are bumped. But the Holy Ghost can conquer that. And here's what happens. You will still be bumped, but listen, your flesh will not rise up. And that's what God is wanting to accomplish. What God is want, the victory that God wants you to have is when you are bumped. And listen, listen, listen. I don't care how you plan that Thanksgiving, something's going to go wrong. And, and, and I know, I, I understand, some of you, I, I'm still surprised some of you didn't raise your hand about that. I like Brother Ronnie. That's why Brother Ronnie and I get along so well, because he understands. I mean, honestly, I know. I, I, maybe it's just because I actually want everything to come out perfectly, right? It's like, oh, man, the chairs don't. Because how many of you can have all the matching chairs at your house for Thanksgiving, right? Right? It's like, no, you can't sit. That's a bucket. That's okay. They just turn it over. They sit down, right? No, no, that's not what we're supposed to look like. That's, that's not how the fa- You can't take the Norman Rockwell photo with that bucket, Right? Right? This is what I'm saying. In your everyday life, you go out and get in your car, and then you get on the roads in Hampton Roads, right? And it either be a pothole or another driver that will get you, amen? And when you're living in all of the daily life, Jesus wants you to be at peace. Such a peace that whenever you get, wherever you're going, whether you're just going down to the store to get bread or to, the, or, or, or to get a, a car part or you're going to work or you're going to your children's house or you're going to your grandma's house who you're now taking care of, wherever you're going, instead of having to act kind when you get there, you are kind when you get there. That's what Jesus wants to accomplish. Now, listen, honestly, how many of you want that level of freedom in your life? Honestly, how many of you want? That's all I want anymore. That's all I want anymore. All I want is to not hurt people anymore. All I want is to actually help people. And here's what I find. You can't help everyone because everybody doesn't want to be helped. But you can try. Do you understand? You can die trying. And I don't mean die trying as in, look at me, look at me, I'm trying to help everyone. I simply mean, no, no, I w- when I die, I hope I'm helping somebody when I die. I hope that that's what's going on in my life because that's why we're here. Jesus already paid to get us into heaven, amen? Everything that I need to go to heaven, I'm not earning it, I'm not earning it, I'm not earning it, I'm not earning it. Jesus already earned it, amen? But while I'm here, I want to point people to Jesus. And I can't point people to Jesus if I've just been a jerk. Do you understand? But if we walk after the Spirit, and that's what we're going to see. That's what it's going to say. The next free is here in, in verse eight, chapter 8, verse 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. 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 You can, how many, if you're, if you're born again, you can walk after the Spirit. If you say, I don't understand what that means, then read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. If you read it and you don't understand what it means, read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. If you read it and you don't understand what it means, guess what my next phrase is going to be? Go back to Romans 1 and read the 8. Just keep reading. This book was specifically, by the way, put your finger here again and go back until you find the book before, in case you don't know what it is. Go back until you find the book before. What is the book before Romans? Acts. Acts is a different section of your Bible than Romans, right? Acts is the proclamation, the proclaiming that Jesus Christ has come to set us free. When you get to Romans, it's the explanation of what's already happened in your life. How many of you knew what happened when you got saved? I didn't. I just knew I was saved. 
right? I knew I was guilty. I knew God had forgiven me. I knew I had peace with God. I had no real understanding yet of what was going on, but I knew I was a new creature. I was thankful to be forgiven. Amen? Romans is the first book that explains our salvation on purpose because God wants to. Romans is not Roman. I don't even understand why Romans became Romans Road. People use Romans Road to lead people to Christ. No, no, use the Gospels to lead people to Christ. Romans is for Christians to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh anymore. That's what God is wanting to accomplish in the book of Romans. And that's why he says, go back to chapter 8, and I'm almost done. Romans chapter 8, that's why he says this. The law for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. Now, what that means is this, the reality, what Christ has done for you, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you is a law. It is a reality, and it has broken what sin had already done in your life. Set us free from that. Praise God. So now I can live in that instead. Last last reference, Galatians chapter 5, and we're done. Go to Galatians chapter 5. It's a fascinating reference. It's a really important reference, and it's really important what chapter it's in your Bible. Go to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be done. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It's verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. By the word, the word liberty is the same word. It's going to show up in just again also. Wherewith Christ hath made us free. The word liberty and made us free. This is what he's saying. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now look up here. Now what this means is this. If you were saved by trusting Christ, then grow by trusting Christ. Die trusting Christ. Period. Don't add anything to your salvation. Don't try to add anything to your salvation. If the blood of Christ is paid for your sins, nothing else is needed. Just trust Christ. Not religious works. Have, have you, some of you should be baptized. But baptism is simply a public display of what's already happened, right? I died in Christ, and I now am a new creature. Praise God. And I'm simply testifying to what Jesus has done. Amen? If your baptism is necessary for your salvation, that's not salvation. If church membership is necessary for your salvation, that's not salvation. The thief died on the cross. He was never baptized. He never joined the church. He just trusted Christ. Amen? Now, I still believe that we should have that public testimony of being baptized. When the Holy Ghost says, hey, it's time for you to be baptized, you should be baptized. And you should give that public display to everybody. And you should join a local church and serve in it. I believe that. But those are not your salvation. The blood of Christ is your salvation. You understand? Circumcision is not your salvation. None of these things are your salvation. The blood of Christ is your salvation. And here's the other part of the liberty. Don't walk in your flesh anymore. Now, if you want to see why I say that that's exactly what's being said, it's because it's Galatians 5 that shows us two different things. Go to Galatians 5, and we're going to see in verse 19 what the works of the flesh are, and then we're going to see in verse 22 what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, you decide. You decide which one of these two things you want. You can either not stand fast in the liberty. If you stand fast in the liberty that God has given you, then you're going to stop walking after your flesh, and people are going to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's what's going to happen. But if you're not standing fast in the liberty, you're going to walk in your own strength, and people are going to see the works of the flesh. Let's look at these lists. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, and such like. So things like that. Okay, now look up here. 
Now, some of these things on this list, how many of you have actually physically, well, maybe I don't need, maybe I shouldn't ask, I don't think anybody's done this, murdered somebody? If you have any, and nobody knows, don't bother to confess right now. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right? And you just keep that to you. You're going to see the police later, okay? We've not murdered someone. You say, well, some of these things aren't, they're not, but Jesus said that if you've ever been what? Angry in your heart without a cause, then you've done what? You've already murdered. Do you understand? So here's the truth. This list could, this list is a terrible list, but this list could simply say selfishness, right? That's all it would have to say, selfishness. Because it has things like envy. Well, I, I've envied, right? It has wrath, strife. Sedition, which just means I want something that you don't want and I'm willing to get my way on it. All of these things can be true of us in our flesh. But go down a little bit, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, now listen to this list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen? Listen, let me ask you this question. I want a lot of amens for that. Thank you, Ronnie. How many of you are alive in the Spirit? How many are you new creatures because of the Spirit? Raise your hand if that's true for you. Okay. Now listen, how many of you say you're walking in the Spirit? Because that's the key to sin not having dominion over you. See, if you walk in your flesh, even if you walk in your flesh in, your flesh in religious energy, you understand what I'm saying? Look, listen, listen I, I hope this helps you, because I've been very guilty of this. Um, I'm going to love Jude, okay? I'm going to love Jude. Watch me. Do you understand? Watch me. I'm going to love Jude, until Jude really irritates me. And then I'm going to like Jude, until he really irritates me three times then I'm going to mostly pretend in front of you guys to like Jude. Do you understand? Anybody understand what the difference between those two things? But let me, I mean this with all my heart. Does Jesus ever have a problem loving Jude? Ever. Ever. Does Jesus, can Jude ever bump Jesus to such a degree that Jesus looks at him and says, I'm not sure I like you anymore, young man. Can he? No. Is that power available to you and I? Yes or no? If you live in the Spirit, then it is, yes? Because you're actually a new creature. Listen, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, yes? That which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. So if you've been born of the Spirit, then praise God, the Holy Ghost lives within you. Get a hold of that. Or better yet, let it get a hold of you, right? I'm sorry that the charismatic movement has messed up what it looks like to walk after the Spirit, right? It isn't mumbly, mumbly, weird stuff. Silly things. Walking after the Spirit. We just saw it. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against these things, there's what? No law. Why? Because you can love people all day long, right? You can be gentle to people all day long. You can be kind to people all day long. You can be long-suffering to people all day long. And all God will say is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not walking after your flesh, but letting me work that in you. Amen? That's the victory that God has for you. And listen, I know, I know, and the reason that this came up, obviously, is because of Independence Day or being set free, right? That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And what I realized is, listen, I, God, I do, though, also. I really do. I mean it with all my heart. I want to be free, and I want you to be free. I want you to have the fruit of the Spirit so working in your life that we all behold it 
Hey, we can't we, Listen, if you really have the fruit of the Spirit working mightily in your life, we are not going to glorify you. We're not, because we know you can't do it, because we know you're just like we are. So when we see it in your life, guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Look what God has done in Jude's life. Isn't it marvelous to see him walking with him at such a young age? Isn't it marvelous to see the way he talks, to see the kindness that he shows, to see all, isn't it wonderful to see these things? And the answer is it is. And guess who must have done that? God. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it's just really wonderfully simple. And I thank you for uh, helping us to see these things this morning uh, in just these few minutes. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us. Lord, we look forward to being together again tonight. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are traveling, that you keep them safe and bring them back to us safely. We ask you to bless, Lord, may your children, each and every one of them, Lord, lay hold of the things that we've seen together this morning and understand what it means to be set free by not walking after the flesh anymore, but standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We thank you for this, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up.